Welcome to this podcast from Mess to Miracle. Christianity plays a huge role in the fabric of our lives. To be honest, life is messy. Yet in the midst of the mess, God still uses us. The fact that God does is a miracle. This podcast is designed to inspire you in your walk with God and connect you with people and ministries that could be a blessing in your life. You will hear inspiring stories of believers exercising their faith to create miracles in their community. Welcome to From Mess to Miracle. My guest today is Trisha Ruse. She is a mother, a wife, and built a winning career in sports and high school admissions, but found her greatest victory in loss. Against the advice of medical experts, Trisha carried full-term a child she was warned would die at birth or before. I will let her tell the rest of that story herself. Director of Admissions for the largest co-ed private Catholic school in Texas, Trisha burst the seams of her annual student applications. Her volleyball teams ranked nationally and statewide among both public and private schools on numerous occasions. Dozens of her athletes performed at the college level in critical roles at LSU, Baylor, Boston College, SMU, Loyola, Maryland, and Francis University, Tulane, St. Mary's College, and many others. It's so good to have you on the show, Tricia. It's I'm, I'm glad to have this conversation with you because it's been I've been looking forward for this for a while, so I'm glad we connected. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to give you an easy question to start out with. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Ooh, good question. So recently I was working with a coach for public speaking. And because I am speaking to both Christian audiences and then secular audiences, I was asking him if I should perhaps shy away from my faith a little bit or, or back down on um, some of my rhetoric. And he just paused and said, no, like be who you are and don't shy away from Christianity and your faith because that's a part of you. And so it's helped me in the last few months in guiding, you know, my keynote addresses, whether the audience is a Christian audience or potentially not. That's good advice because you never know who's in the audience and you want to make sure that, first of all, it is who you are and it's a big part of your story. So you definitely mm-hmm. want to say that. And you never know who's listening. And it may yeah. be that God put them there today because they want, they need to hear a message from God and you're just the person to deliver that. So that's a great thing. Yep. So, to, so to us get to know you a little bit better, tell us something about yourself that most people do not know. Well, let's see. Um, I guess I have a few hidden talents. Um, I started playing piano pretty young and played for quite a number of years. And so I can pretty much sit down at a piano and open a book and, and start playing whatever's in front of me for the most part. So sometimes that's surprising. And then I guess recently I picked up tennis again, just to kind of get out there and have a workout. And I did play in high school competitively. Um, so even though it's been 21 years, I'm not terrible. I'm, I'm picking it up rather quickly again. That's interesting. I tried playing piano in high school. It was one of those classes we had to take. And my brain could not separate the two different bars and have my hands work with that. So I I admire anybody who could play piano. It's complicated. 
It is complicated. So, so let's dig into your story. In, 29, in 2014, you found out you were pregnant. And in your book, you said, but your joy came with a twist. I'll let you share the rest of that story. Absolutely. So it actually all started when my son, who was three and a half at the time, came home and told us that he wanted a lady baby, which the translation for that was a baby sister. (laughs) And a friend at daycare had kind of arrived one day at school with a baby. And I think in his mind, you just go pick one up at the store and, and go buy one. And so, you know, we just said, okay, go pray to God about it. You know, we don't really want to have that talk yet. So um, my husband and I started discussing and decided we were ready for another child and found out we were pregnant a couple months later and everything was going really well in those first two or three months. And then I remember at 12 weeks, I really wanted to know gender. And my doctor mentioned that there was a blood test that could reveal gender that we could take that early. So we didn't have to wait, you know, any longer. So I took the blood test, really didn't think much of it. And then about 10 days later, she calls me and I was at a work conference out of, out of town actually, and said, you know, I want to let you know you're having a baby girl, but also that she has trisomy 18. So I had never heard of that. Uh, My answer to her or my response was, well, how do we fix it? She said, there's nothing you can do. It's usually a fatal condition for your child. So, of course, there was a lot of processing and a lot of tears and a lot of confusion in the next days to follow. And she immediately sent us to a specialist um, to confirm the diagnosis and, you know, make sure it wasn't potentially a false positive. And the specialist confirmed that she had trisomy 18 and really just immediately recommended an abortion, um, told us it might be too difficult for our son to handle this kind of situation since he was so young and to just move on and get on to a healthy pregnancy. And that was really shocking to hear. Our world was just rocked in that moment. And so my husband and I just stayed home the next couple of days processing and crying. And by the next week, um, I said, you know what, obviously we're not having an abortion and I want everybody to know what's going on. Um, Number one, so they can help and pray for us. But I also didn't wanna have to explain this story 8,000 times, you know? So, um, at the time I was the director of admissions at a large Catholic high school working with about 700 to a thousand new families every year. And then I was also the head volleyball coach. So I just put together this big email to everybody I knew just to let them know what was going on and that we were continuing this pregnancy and we were going to do whatever, you know, God asked us to do for her life. And what was amazing out of that was, my volleyball team, so this is a bunch of teenage, you know, high school girls, really rallied together on our behalf for our family. They knew what we were going through was incredibly difficult. And we ended up winning the state championship that year. And uh, they did it in Annabelle's honor. And then a month later, I gave birth to her. It was the first live trisomy 18 birth at uh, the hospital that we delivered at for any of those doctors and nurses that they had experienced. And really from there, every minute was a miracle because she had a two-chamber heart and you're just not supposed to function with a two-chamber heart. And she kept going and kept breathing and kept fighting. And we just did everything we could to support her during that time and ended up bringing her home uh, back to our house. And she died you know, peacefully at home in our arms at six days old. 
But I feel like in that experience, as tragic as it was and as difficult as it was carrying a child that we had no idea would live um, a minute or be a stillbirth or live for years, um, God really wrote this amazing story in our lives. And now, you know, I'm out, I'm six years out from that. I know that God has asked me to write a book about it in our journey and our experience and also be able to share with others going through similar experiences or loss to just kind of share the message that God's will is always good and that his plan is much bigger than what we can see and to just trust, trust in God and trust that he's got our back. What an amazing thing to have your community come around you and support you like that. That's an incredible blessing to you, I'm sure, as a family. Absolutely. Without that support, I mean, we couldn't have done that on our own. Our immediately, our church family, we're in a connect group. We're kind of out of our large church. And so it's really nice to have a smaller you know, group community back you. And then the same thing for my work and Jonas's work and my volleyball team and their parents. And as hard as it was for us to go through, I feel like knowing every day that you had just supportive people around you that were faith-based. I mean, praying for you, asking if you needed anything, and just being there as a resource for us during that time was really, really helpful. Yeah, out of our trials, a lot of time, God shapes our story. I, I, I was reading your book, and I love this idea of the cookie jar that prompted you to write your book, uh, When Wishes Change. Tell us more about that process. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors, For Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile, and you won't ever have to worry about big tech or big brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code BRIDGEBUILDERS to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details, just like the number four, freedommobile.com. Well, it was, uh, the idea kind of came actually at a lunch for the title of the book with my editor. Um, but I don't know, I mean, I don't know what day it was, but I remember God just calling me, Hey, I want you to write about this experience. It was in 2019 and around Thanksgiving, I guess. And so, um, I think in the book, the term I use is like the cookies in your brain ads, because I swear all the time, if I say something, my phone will spam me with ads about, you know, that thing within a day or two. And so I felt this calling from God, like you should write a book. And of course I'm not, I've never written a book before, so I'm not exactly how to start that process. I don't, I don't really know. And about a day later, I got spammed with a Facebook ad. And it literally said, ever wanted to write a novel? And it was a writing course. And so I'm, I'm kind of laughing because I just felt this call, you know, a day or two earlier. I clicked on the ad and immediately this face popped up of the instructor. And I just knew I recognized her name. I wasn't sure where. 
And it came to me that one of my best friends in the whole world, this was her sister who was in Nashville, Tennessee, that was uh, starting to uh, do courses on writing books because she's an author. And so I called my friend. She got me in, in touch with her sister. I enrolled in the course right away. And that was kind of my launching pad to figure out how in the world you write a book. And then really from there, after I was done writing, that was kind of therapeutic. And for me, writing is not too difficult. But when I got to the editing process, I was extremely overwhelmed. I am no editor. I'm not trained to edit books. And um, kind of the same thing happened. Like when I wasn't sure what to do and I was ready to quit, I literally closed my laptop. This was on a Sunday afternoon around 12 o'clock. It was in the middle of COVID. So we just did online church for the 80th time. And I was frustrated about my book. And I heard a little ding on my email and decided to distract myself with email instead of editing. And the email was from a coworker who, you know, I talked to occasionally, but not necessarily a best friend. And it said, you know, Trisha, I'm just thinking about you and your family and how much your story about your daughter, Annabelle, impacted me and my family. And I just wanted you to know that. And, you know, at this point, it had been five years. And this email comes two minutes after I kind of shut my laptop and tell God I'm done and I hate editing. (laughs) And so I said, all right, God, I get it. This is a message. And without, within a few weeks, I was introduced to an editor who edits books, who is a Christian and happens to live a mile away from me. And so the first time we met up, I knew this was the one that is supposed to edit my book. And the relationship just took off from there. So I really feel, you know, when you're open to listening to whatever it is God wants you to do, as difficult as it sounds, as as frustrated as you might be with that call, he's going to put the right people and things in place for you to execute that plan. But if you're not looking out for it or if you're not open to that, you could easily miss the sign and, and walk right past it. And so I really feel that in the process of creating my book and putting it together, I was just open to listening and said yes. And every time I said yes, there was a response. So what did you learn on this journey? Oh, gosh, I learned so much. So um, I am a person that naturally has really high anxiety. And, you know, I think back to that blood test that my doctor offered at 12 weeks instead of just waiting a few more weeks to know the gender of my baby, I was like, nope, nope, I want to know now. I I need to know now. And I'm a planner and that's just how I am. I'm a, I'm kind of a high strung type A. And I think God used my personality to teach me that sometimes, well, most of the time things are not in my control and it's not about my plan for my life and for my family and orchestrating everything to work out how I want it. It's about seeking his plan. And the thing about it is even though I can directly point to circumstances where I know God had my back and spoke directly to me, I find myself waking up the next morning and still having doubt and still having anxiety and still struggling with knowing and believing that he has my back And I think that's just a constant lesson that I will always have to learn and that I will keep relearning every day. And because I know that that is an issue for me, I think in terms of when I read the Bible, when I'm listening to Christian music, 
I'm looking for songs that assure me that I don't have to be anxious or worried about anything and that God is there for me. And so I think a lot of times we think that just by, you know, listening to a sermon at church and maybe it's about anxiety and not being anxious about anything. We're like, okay, cool. Fix that. It's not that way. You have to keep seeking God's word, especially in the areas that, you know, you struggle. And so even though I feel like God wrote this amazing love story through my daughter and I can look at it now, six years later and be like, wow, what a story, like what an amazing plan he had for us, our lives and her life. And I doubted every day. I cried every day. I was worried every day. Um, I still worry and I still doubt, but I think that going through that experience maybe made me doubt a little bit less and made me trust more. That's great. When I wrote my first uh, Bible study, I remember thinking, because it was about race in America, how mm-hmm. personal I'd, I'd put myself into that, that story, that Bible study. And I remember when I got turned it into editor for the final approval date and everything, I thought to myself, wow, I was really way too transparent in this book. <laughs> <laughs> I just shared some personal stories that I really wasn't intending to share. And there was that sense of, what if people reject that story and, and even reject me? Do you have that sense when you finally got that to print and say, this is going to come out now? Were you worried about how people will receive the story? You are speaking to my heart with that because, yes, I was. So one of the things in the book I will say is I was extremely vulnerable. So it wasn't just oh, I trust God. Yay. I can move on with my day. Right. I was scared. I was frustrated. I was angry. I mean, I was actually grieving the loss of a child before she died in a way, because I was told at 12 weeks old, my daughter will die. We didn't know when and how, but we knew that that was pretty inevitable with a two chamber heart, you know, and we had to accept a lot of things and it was not easy. And I really was open about that because, and sometimes I think like what you said, I almost wanted to just, you know, highlight paragraphs at a time and just delete it and, and not be that vulnerable. And then I would, I would hold myself back and say, no, like this has to be a part of the story because this is real and transparent. And that's what people relate to more. So one thing that is always kind of scary to me is that when when we decided to keep our child and I went into that volleyball season in 2014, the story kind of broke and the local uh, ABC affiliate picked it up. And so did the big Dallas morning news, the newspaper here and uh, the Texas Catholic, which is also like a newspaper and does a lot of videos on their website, decided to start following and documenting our journey. So it became really public, really fast. And I remember interviewing uh, with a great guy that interviewed me for the Dallas Morning News. And I thought this story was extremely well written. They represented me well, and it, and it was great. And the day that this story was on the front page of the newspaper, my assistant ran into my office that morning. And he said, have you read the story yet on the, news, on the Dallas Morning News online? I said, no, I haven't. I'm about to. He goes, well, whatever you do, don't read the comments. 
well, what am I going to do? I'm going to read the comments. <laughs> right. It's so like, don't look at the pink I, elephant in the room, right? <laughs> yes. I said, okay, well, now you know I'm going to read them. And so he goes, okay, fine. If you're going to read them, I'm going to sit here with you. So I'm just thinking, what in the world? Like, they, they let me know about the story in advance. There was nothing bad in it. So I pull it up online. I read this story. I think it's great. And then I get down to the comments. And by this point, I mean, there was over a thousand comments and a lot were like supportive, beautiful story. But then there was comments that were calling me, you know, selfish for keeping this child and not having an abortion and just some really nasty, nasty comments about me and our decision. And then on the comments, it became this nasty, like pro-choice, pro-life debate And that's not at all what I wanted. I just wanted to share the fact that we made a decision to keep our child and we were following God's plan, you know, and, and when it, when I started reading, of course it hurt really bad. And so when I was writing the book, I thought about that too. I was like, well, now I'm being really vulnerable and I'm telling everybody this story that is a pro-life story, but I don't like to get political. I don't like I don't want an argument spurred out of this. I would want anyone that is pro-choice, pro-life, Christian, non-Christian to read this story and say, huh, like, you know, hopefully I would be drawing people towards Christianity. That's my goal. Hopefully I'm drawing people from pro-choice over to pro-life. But my approach is just through storytelling. Like, here's what happened with us. And I, I love to tell people even though I had a child die in my arms and the whole book tells about the trial and the, and the grief and the pain that I would have it no other way. I know that we did everything we could. We had absolutely no regrets and I would do it over and over again and again. And I know in my heart, if I would have chosen an abortion early on and I would have never had that closure and not gotten to meet her and hold her and introduced her to my family and my son, that would hurt way more. I mean, that would be extremely painful to just live with the what ifs. And so that's, that's a part of what I think I'm here to do is just share our story and give a perspective of choosing life and what that was for us and let people know that there was pain and tragedy involved, but we would not have it any other way. And you've, and your book is coming out at a really interesting time in our nation because that very issue of pro-life, pro-choice is right on the minds of so many people. If you could give some advice to people who are just wrestling with this idea of life, what, what words of encouragement would you give people? What words of advice for, for maybe a parents who are having similar kind of discussions about what to do? Any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for us, I know that Okay, so I'm a coach for a living. I coach volleyball. And I ask my athletes all the time, work your hardest and never give up, right? Because I believe the lessons that you can find on the volleyball court or um, the football field or whatever are life lessons. And I know athletes that have given it their all, right, on the court and lost, but still felt good about themselves. I did what I could. I gave everything I had, right? And then I've coached teams where they just were lazy and they didn't even try and they lost and they feel terrible because they're like, wow, what if I would have tried harder and done everything I could have done? I could have had a chance of winning, you know? 
And so I felt in the moments when I was faced with this decision, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm asking teenage girls to work their hardest and never give up. And what does it look like if I give up on my daughter and her life? You know, that's a much (laughs) bigger loss. And I just feel that, you know, God calls us to trials and that's just a part of life and a part of Christianity. And if you always shy away from the difficult things in life, those are where you get your best lessons and where some of the biggest blessings come from. And, you know, I can, I I left my job a couple months ago. I made really big decision to leave and pursue this speaking and being an author and, you know, trying something new. And that was terrifying. I mean, it was so terrifying. Um, and there were some things that I was standing up for myself, um, some things that were going on that weren't going very well. And it's hard every single day, but if you, sometimes if you don't choose the harder path or allow bad things to happen, you're just worse off in the long run. And, you know, again, I think with this decision and with so many families that put the, are in these situations, the best thing that you can do and the best encouragement I can give is find community. So if you're introverted, I mean, there's Facebook communities and Facebook pages, a podcast like this. I think it's amazing that so many podcasts exist to help people through grief and through loss and advice and um, guidance, Christian guidance, because um, six, you know, seven years ago when I was pregnant, I think podcasts existed, but maybe they just weren't as big or maybe I was like behind the time. <laughs> could be. But I just I, found that. Yeah, they could, they're really powerful. I mean, I don't really know, but I wish that something like this existed so I could listen to somebody on the other side and draw hope and strength from that experience. And so, you know, as hard as the situation may be for anybody out there, there is hope and there are people out there that you can reach out to that have been through your exact circumstance that are ready and willing to talk to you and walk you through it and help you and guide you. That's great. What are you most excited about in this season of your life? Well, you know, I worked at a desk from 7.30 a.m. to sometimes 11 o'clock at night if we had a volleyball game and I came home late. And I'm making my own schedule. And I really believe that the idea of sharing the book and the message and public speaking can have a tremendous impact on a lot of people. And I'm really looking forward to continuing that and watching that evolve and and seeing how that happens. You know, I'm getting to spend, I'm working like crazy, but I'm also getting to spend a lot more time with my kids and with my family because I have a more flexible schedule and I will do whatever it takes, you know, to be able to see my kids and, and help them in any way they need. And sometimes already I can tell you that means working from, you know, 10 to midnight because they're in bed but it, it does give me more flexibility to spend that time with my family. And I've enjoyed that. That's been great for me. That's precious. So what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I used to really love the fact that I was a winning volleyball coach. <laughs> that was kind of my thing was I was winning state championships after state championships. And I remember in my twenties, I was like, I want to be one of the winningest volleyball coaches in Texas history. And I was on that path. I mean, we were winning all the time. 
And then when all of this happened with Annabelle and especially in reflecting the last couple of years, as I've gone through the grieving process, the healing process, I've had multiple setbacks and ups and downs and then had another pregnancy and another child after her, which was very nerve wracking. My entire perception now is different. I want to be able to help others that have maybe just experienced miscarriage or loss and be a voice um, to maybe help others that don't know what to do. And so I love coaching. I'm still um, coaching through a club volleyball program, but now I'm coaching coaches, which is really fun um, and doing some private lessons and helping kids more one-on-one instead of having my own team. But I need to raise my own kids and teach them and guide them, which is part of my legacy. I want my kids to feel like I was there for them and I, you know, taught them life lessons and taught them about Jesus. And then I also want to think that, you know, at the end of my life that I have helped others in a really difficult time in their life get through it. That's really neat. Anything I haven't asked you that I should have? Hmm. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that I really want to say that if anyone is experiencing tragedy and loss, you know, COVID has just rocked our world, obviously, to where a lot of people are working remotely and don't have maybe that community feel that they used to have in an office place. And although there's some benefits that come with working remotely, you don't have to commute and maybe as much hustle and bustle, it's kind of hard to be isolated. So when I started, you know, being on my own, essentially, I am a very people, people person. And I enjoyed the the a lot of the coworkers I had. You know, there's a lot of great things about my job besides the things that weren't going well. And I actually like just joined this tennis team. So on mornings after I drop the kids at drop off, I get to go play tennis. And that fills my bucket, my bucket where I need the socialization and I need a workout. Because if I were to drop them off and come straight home and be at home all day, just working, 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 um, that's really hard for me. And the other really good advice I got from somebody was find other people like you that are working remote. And if all you need is a laptop, then go to a coffee shop once a week and just work from there with a friend. And so you can kind of have little chatty breaks, but then you put your head down and you work really hard. And I just think with whatever tragedy or like difficulty in your life you're getting through, like find the things that make you happy and the things that you thrive off of and make sure you cling to those things and save room in your life for them. And, you know, there's obviously so many circumstances that people could be going through right now, but I think being in COVID and being remote and more isolated is probably one of the the biggest crises crises in our country, and um and th- and that's something I've learned is like figure out the things you love and the things you're good at and and migrate towards those things and and have fun while you're working and while you're building your business or doing whatever you're doing. That's great advice. I wrote my first book in a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it kind of nice that there's a little music? There's a lot of things going on. You know, even if your eyes need a break, I like to just look up and people watch. Right. And there's kind of this like kooky little place I go to sometimes. And there are these really old men in the back. And I think they meet there like every day for coffee. And 
there is one day where I'm just, you know, I take these little breaks and I just listen kind of in on their conversations and they notice that. And so every few minutes they'd be like, Hey lady, what do you think about aliens? And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what are you guys here talking about? And then they asked me, do you think there's a Catholic Jesus and a Protestant Jesus? I mean, the conversations that these little old men were having were just so odd and entertaining. But that whole day, I got so much work done, and I was entertained and laughed and smiled, and I felt just really good after that day. I was like, you know what? That was a weird day. I got asked some really weird questions, um, but it was just different, and it was way better than being by myself in the house. And so I've had to force myself, you know, sometimes out the door, just find a place to go, be outside or find a coffee shop and and get work done. Yeah, there's something about writing something like that you're writing important in the midst of other people. So it's not so isolated. Yeah. Yeah, for which, sure. Which is which is counterintuitive if you're a writer. You think you want a quiet place where there's no one around. But no, the the busyness of life kind of helps add, I think, a little flavor or spice to whatever you're writing. And creativity. And if you're happy and like laughing and like looking around, I mean, for me, they just keep pouring coffee. So that helps too. Um, that I'm a little caffeinated. I find myself being way more creative when I'm around other people and, you know, just kind of enjoying the presence of others. This is great. So where can people find your book? There's number one, I think you told me on the Christian bestseller list, right? Yeah. So, um, so, okay. I want to bring up something really interesting. So when you're talking about the whole pro-life pro-choice debate, the heartbeat act went into effect September 1st. Right. Right. And so I had been told the week before from my publisher, cause I self-published that, um, it was like in the queue on Amazon and it may take three or four weeks for it to actually appear on Amazon and that they would let me know when it appeared. So I was anticipating that my book would go live about now, like end of September. And so I got a call, I think on, I mean, September 1st, and they said, hey, uh, <laughs> we don't know exactly what happened, but your book is now on Amazon. And I've been working with um, kind of a creative person to help me with a marketing plan for when the book goes out. And I thought we still had three weeks before oh. the book was launched. And then all of a sudden, here it is. It's out three weeks early. It was the same week that that was going on. Oh, wow. And so it was crazy. I immediately went into panic mode. And of course, we're, you know, creating posts all over social media. And I already had a constant contact email list created. And so within two or three days, I mean, we were blasting out things like crazy about the book. And, you know, a lot of the people that purchased my book were also that week posting their opinions about the bill, some positive and some negative. And I remember one of my friends was like, wow, this is such amazing timing. Don't you want to post about the heartbeat bill and your support? And I said, you know what? I don't because I don't want this book. It was never like God kind of came to me and said, it's not supposed to be a book that only Christians read. I want other people to hear your story so that others can hear and potentially see your viewpoint and maybe that changes their mind or maybe it, you know, brings them over a little bit. And so, um, it was kind of cool to see people, Hey, Trisha, I just bought your book. And then two days later, they're very pro-choice. And, you know, again, I don't know that my book is going to change their political views. I, I, I can't tell that right now, but I was really glad that someone like that was reading the book 
because I wanted someone to read it that maybe didn't have the same views as me and take our story and be open to hearing it and just kind of see what that does in the world. So that was something that was really incredible that the book ended up getting on Amazon much earlier than it was supposed to and it being that week. But um, the book is everywhere. Um, you know, Amazon is kind of the easiest because you throw it in a cart and you hit checkout and you're done. And it's called When Wishes Change. Right. But it's also available on Barnes and Noble and on the Westbow Press website, which is my publisher. And um, one goal that I had for my social media is to be just a light for not only people experiencing something tragic and difficult, um, but everybody, because I realized with my social media feed a couple years ago, I just felt like it was too negative and it wasn't inspiring and I need inspiring words and quotes and things to get me through a day. And so we have been really intentional with the social media handles to be encouraging, to give scripture and insight and advice and pictures and just something hopeful and fun and sometimes it's funny, you know, where I'll throw in um, a video like on TikTok of my five-year-old doing a makeup tutorial. But on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, it's just called When Wishes Change. And um, I, I just think it's great to follow more things that are fun, clean fun, and inspirational and motivational because it just is a lot healthier for you. Because I think most of us, we kind of know we're not necessarily going to give up social media. Um, but if it's going to be on your phone and you're going to go to it once or twice a day, it's it's nice to flip through things that bring you happiness and peace and motivation instead of, you know, falling into the trap of following celebrities or comparing yourself to others. Right. Well, I'm so glad you wrote the book. I'm, I really pray that people do find an opportunity to connect with it and hear how God used your um, initial joy and then sorrow and then now blessing people with a very difficult conversation in a very timely manner. Because this is a, if, if we don't understand the importance of, of learning to value life, I think we lose a part of our humanity in the process. Um, Absolutely. And so I'm glad you did that. And so glad to connect with you and blessings on the work that you're doing and uh, may God bless this book and we'll, we'll put a link to the how to find the book on the podcast as well. So thanks again, Trisha, for what you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And I just really what you're doing is amazing. And I really hope that, you know, so many lives are changed through your podcast and what you're doing, because we need that Christian inspiration and we need to hear others journeys and what they're going through because as Christians, it's not supposed to be easy, right? It's no. going to be hard and we have to seek God's word every single day. We do. Thanks again. Have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on From Mess to Miracle. Make sure you visit our website at https from mess to miracle.buzzsprout.com. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating on iTunes. If you simply like to tell a friend about the show, 
you will help us get the message out to bless more people. If you like this show, you might want similar content. You can follow my blog at www.alightbreakthrough.org. Be sure to tune in two weeks from now for our next episode. Just remember, out of our messiness, God makes miracles. <laughs>